Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Detroit suburbs grew up around the idea of wide open space and areas. They were an escape from the crowded density of the city, and they were created by what we now call sprawl. But more and more as the population changes, as sprawl carries people even further out away from the city as well as inner ring suburban communities, and as a younger generation clamors for more tightly designed walkable communities, lots of suburbs are rethinking their approaches. The city of Warren is just the latest to jump into the fray, and it's now seeking a developer to build a brand new $125 million downtown area. Mayor Jim Fouts touted the plan in his recent State of the City address. What does this new turn mean for cities that were created by the idea of sprawl? And can inner-ring suburbs actually create downtowns inorganically after decades of sprawl-indulged city planning that prioritizes people over car, prioritizes cars over people? That is, uh, that's where we want to start the conversation today with the idea of suburban downtowns. This sort of turn back to density after years of sprawl. And joining us to talk about that is Keith Sadowski. He's a Warren City Councilman. He represents the district where the downtown area is supposed to be built. Keith, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's talk about what you mean when you are talking about this idea of a downtown. Where would that be in Warren and what would that look and feel like? Well, the location is going to be off of Van Dyke between 12 Mile and 13 Mile, directly across from the General Motors Tech Center, right in the area where the new city hall stands. We've got about 17 acres uh, that we have available to develop. Uh Um, And, you know, the whole idea behind doing what we want to do is to sort of take the best of both worlds. I mean, we've got a great bed-and-breakfast-type community here in in Warren. Uh, We've got a great industrial uh, complex uh, and a lot of business that happens here. But we really don't have what we call a central point or a gathering point like most cities do. And I think that's what we're trying to do here is giving the citizens of Warren that opportunity now where, hey, you know, we're going to have a concert in the park. Uh, we're going to have some type of celebration like our birthday bash. So it's got a central point where people can go to and gather, uh, do a little bit of shopping, go grab dinner, you know, have a drink uh, uh, and, and whatnot, and allow General Motors to be part of more of that uh, community. So that's kind of what the what it is in a summary of what we want to do here at Warren. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I think uh, when I think of Warren and I think of that sort of center stretch of Warren where you've got the tech center on one side of, of Van Dyke and the municipal center on the other side, I, I guess I, I have a hard time thinking of how you would create this kind of space there. Uh, let's first talk about Van Dyke itself. This is a road that's got, I think, seven lanes. If you count the turn lane, it might be it might be nine. Um, it, I th- yeah, it's uh, four, eight. Yeah, it is nine. I think now. it's nine. Uh, mm-hmm. It was designed to get people through. Right, the whole idea of uh, roads like that, of of layouts like this, were were to to make it easier for people to not sort of 
stop and congregate, but to move through quickly uh, on their way to work or on their way home. Uh, how would you? How do you reimagine that uh, in in a in a tighter sort of smaller way? Well, you're, the, the statement that you're making is is correct, but only partially correct. Van Dyke, being that major thoroughfare, also has to handle the amount of traffic that comes into our city. Right. You know, we're about a about 130,000 uh, residents that live here. The population of this city actually doubles during business hours. Mm-hmm. So we've got a tremendous amount of traffic that's inflowing into the city. So it's not a pass-through community. It's sort of a destination community. And uh, the original plan for Van Dyke was actually to slow traffic down and to boulevard it. But, you know, with the uh, challenges within the economy that happened uh, early 2000s, um, a lot of those plans had to be abandoned. MDOT had pulled the funding for that. Mm -hmm. Um, General Motors actually had donated a large portion of their property in the front in order for us to redesign Van Dyke Boulevard. But, you know, one of the challenges that we had into trying to marry the General Motors community to the downtown area, uh, General Motors is talking about building a bridge, a literal bridge, uh, from their campus to the downtown area. So people who wish to come from General Motors into that downtown area can do that over a covered bridge mm-hmm. into into the area. Um, and General Motors is also talking about um, bringing these like MOGO type bike programs. So people on nice days, obviously not today, uh, can take a bike and uh, come right over to the campus, enjoy lunch or have uh, have dinner after work. You know, those are the type of programs uh, that we're trying to implement in order to attract that 30,000 uh, person population at General Motors and bringing them into into the downtown area, yeah. along with, you know, just having accessibility for the the rest of the residents in the outlying communities to join us. Right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Keith Sadowski, a Warren City Councilman. He represents the district where a downtown area is proposed to be built in Warren. Think about Warren. Think about the other suburbs we have around the city of Detroit. Think about how they handle the idea of a downtown. Most of those suburbs grew up around the idea of sprawl. Sprawl was what created those suburbs. They are now, in in a lot of cases, turning back toward the idea of more tightly designed, walkable downtowns, the kind of thing that we're talking about in downtown Detroit right now. What do you think about that? Do you live in a city without a central downtown area? Would you welcome a plan to create one? If you live in a city that does have a downtown, what was that? Uh, what was the role that played in your decision to live there? Was that one of the things that really appealed to you? Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, A little later in the program, we are going to talk with uh, an urban designer about this idea of 
switching the way we think of suburban communities, the idea of creating them, recreating them, I guess, as more walkable communities, how possible that is, and what that says about the history here in Metro Detroit, the 50 years we've had of sprawl, of moving away from the city of Detroit and from communities like it. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Keith, I, I want to get you to talk a little about what you think this will achieve. Uh, and Warren, you've you've used this as a central campaign point uh, mm-hmm. for several elections. Uh, talk about the changes that you're seeing in the city of Warren that sort of drive you to the idea that, that this is what people want. Well, one of the things that you know, as a city, when we look at our population and how the population is, is made up, we we have a we have an aging population. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I believe, if 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 I'm recalling this correctly, um, we are like one of the third largest populations in the country with residents 65 years and older. Wow. And so what we're trying to do now through doing this walkable community is trying to attract younger population from coming in mm-hmm. or having them come in. The lofts that we're uh, uh, proposing to have built is going to be designed to uh, attract younger couples who are looking to uh, to have that type of loft experience, uh, the young professionals, uh, people that would be, you know, working for General Motors, somebody who wants to be centrally located to two major uh, freeways, um, uh, a, a a vein of avenue with Mound Road and Van Dyke going right into Detroit, and then also to the northern uh, suburbs through Van Dyke and, and, and Mound. So mm-hmm. those are the changes that we want to see. We want to try to... Um, you know, show people that, hey, listen, we're not just the bed and breakfast community that you kind of grew up with, the sprawl that you you talk about. Uh, we want to sort of change, you know, our identity. We see that now the baby boomers uh, are reaching that age now. And uh, how do we how do we now go attract younger population to moving in? And, and this is this is one of the aspects that we uh, that we hope to to use in order to do that, um, you know, between the pubs, between the restaurants, the shopping that we'll have, the type of residential development, and uh, trying to create that excitement. So that's uh, you know that that's that's the changing that we're seeing now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Josh on Facebook says some of these cities do have existing old downtowns that were ripped apart uh, that they could try to expand or put back together, like Warren by Mound and Chicago, which was ripped up when Mound was expanded. Any walkable downtown needs some place to start with. What I see in this rendering looks nothing like any walkable downtown. How can the developer in the city say that in all seriousness? It looks like another shopping center. With huge parking lots. Uh, before we get to, to more listener participation here, Keith, I want I want to give you a chance to to respond to that. Why why not go back to what was present at Mountain in Chicago before uh, that road was changed? Well, um, the the area that you're looking at, which is uh, more of our historical district, mm-hmm. there. Uh, 
to to do a walkable downtown in that area. Most of that area is developed, and we don't have a lot of the vacant land around that. It's uh, certainly a really unique area, and you know we're planning to put a pocket park uh, in there. Um, but we have what's unique about the city center area is we actually have the land uh, to develop. And the gentleman who talks about, you know, looking like another shopping center, it's, it's a little bit, it's going to be a little bit more than that. Uh, when you look at the way the buildings are going to be laid out, everything is going to be facing that city center park or that point of gathering area. Uh, it's not going to be facing Van Dyke mm-hmm. and we're going to have the, <clears throat> The large anchor with the hotel is what we're hoping to put there, which is going to be a, a continuous uh, population. Um, and hopefully, you know, people at that point, you park your car, you stay at the hotel, um, and then you go ahead and you'll walk the walk the walk the district, do a little bit, sh- excuse me, a little bit of shopping, um, you know, eat, uh, join one of the festivals that we'll have down there or you know in the middle of the summertime we often do on thursdays uh, movies where we bring an inflatable movie theater out there and you know bring your kids and, and enjoy a movie with us yeah okay again 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones let's go to charlie in royal oak charlie welcome hey, to good morning Stephen. oh thank you uh-huh. um my wife and i bought our home about 30 years ago in royal oak kind of between woodward and downtown um, we thought it'd be a nice community to raise our three kids. It's been wonderful. Um, when I was a kid growing up there, we used to joke you could roll a bowling ball down the middle of Main Street, you know, on a Friday afternoon, you wouldn't hit anything. It's kind of changed a bit. Um, so much so that the house we live directly next door to, I just found out last night, is an Airbnb. It's a non-owner-occupied Airbnb. And we just had another house similar, I guess, a couple blocks down the street or two. Um, where they just busted somebody in an Airbnb for distributing drugs or something like that. So we've had some changes. Some of them have been real good, but some of them are a little concerning, too. We've, you know, we used to have a lot of families. We've lost most of those. Um, our school district's half the size it used to be, but we do have a real successful and nice welcoming downtown. So I guess there's pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie, thanks very much for the call and the perspective there. Uh, let's go to Joanne in Plymouth. Welcome to Detroit Today, Joanne. Oh, hi. How are you? Uh huh. Good. Go ahead. Good. Yeah. Oh, I live in Plymouth, and I, you know, listening to um, this guy from Warren, you know, I think that's a, kind of a hard job to kind of actually plot things out, you know, because you want things to be walkable, but you know, um, can people in the neighborhoods walk there, and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of small communities in the, in Western Wayne anyway. You know, like Milford Northville. Of course, I live in Plymouth. And, you know, Plymouth has, was a small town before small towns were a big deal. Right. And, you know, now it is the center of town. And if you live in the city of Plymouth, anywhere from the city of Plymouth, you can walk to the music in the park on Friday night and be one of the thousands of people there who are, you know, listening of all ages. You know, it's not plotted out for, you know, certain age groups or anything like that. I mean, it's like every age and, right. you know... And, and I think buying I think, their food and pizza and all that kind of stuff, listening to music, and even the township folks can ride their bikes in. Right, you know, I Joanne. What, what I what I what I'm picking up from what you're saying is is this idea of sort of the organic growth of these kinds of places, um, right? You know, in suburban areas versus the the, the planning. Uh, thanks very much for the call. I know. 
and that that comment. But Keith Sadowski, again, talk about why you feel like planning this out this way and saying we're going to create a downtown, a walkable community instead of, for instance, uh, letting that grow organically, for instance, around Chicago and Mound or, or some other place that historically has been a, a sort of center of town. Talk about why you think this will be more effective. Well, the uh, the lady from uh, uh, Plymouth Canton area, uh, her, her question was, is it going to be walkable for the residents that currently live now within the community? And I mean, that's the nice thing of the area that we're in. If you if you take a look at a map, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what would be east of Van Dyke? It's all it's all housing back there. Yeah, it is. Uh, the yeah the the city uh, the, the the new city hall kind of acts as that buffer from the community. Uh, we're going to be implementing and putting in some bike paths uh, in order to attract people to get on their bike and kind of uh, bike in. You know, a lot of people for the birthday bash uh, they will just you know like my parents for example. Um, you know, 80 years old, they, uh, what they'll do is they'll walk out their front door. They're about a half mile away and they'll walk to the birthday bash. And, uh, um, so it's kind of already, we've been, you know, putting that into people's heads that, Hey, we want you to come down. We want you to share. We want you to be part of the community. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't necessarily have to bring a car to come in, but you know, if you do, we have parking structures, uh, there and we have we have parking that's going to be available but as we start to develop this some of that parking is going to go away and we're going to have to add more parking structures uh uh to the area yeah. but it is very accessible uh for people who, who who want to walk from the existing community yeah okay uh we're going to take a quick break and when we continue we're going to talk more about this idea of reimagining and creating new downtown areas in metro detroit uh, i want to thank keith sadowski for being here with us on detroit today uh, also remember if you miss any of today's conversation you don't have to miss out you can always go to itunes or wherever you download podcasts download and subscribe to detroit today and take us with you listen when you are ready we'll be right back on detroit today You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We have been talking about the idea of suburban communities and their new push to create tightly designed, walkable downtowns. Joining us now is Mark Nikita. He is the co-founder and president of Archine Design Studio in Detroit. He's a former mayor of Birmingham and a current city commissioner there. He teaches urban design at Lawrence Tech. Welcome to Detroit Today, Mark. Hi, Stephen. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, So let's start with this idea that you can take a city that grew up around the idea of sprawl and retrofit it in some way to the idea of a a sort of urban center, a more uh, tightly sort of designed and walkable community. Does that even work? Well, I think in different man in different uh, at different levels it works, and sometimes it works uh, better depending on how you go about it. And of course, what you start with, 
Um, different cities have different, you know, what we call bones to uh, to begin with. Some are older and more traditional and were, were uh, put in place many, many years ago. And I'm talking about streets and blocks and scale and, and those kinds of things. Um, you know, as a general point of reference, pre-war, World War II development uh, areas or cities have tend, tended to have kinds of bones that are more oriented toward people or pedestrians. Um, Post-war, you know, 1945, 50 and on, developments in cities, uh, for the most part, have bones that are a little bit more car-oriented or in some cases very car-oriented, which aren't so great for pedestrians. So depending on the bones that you're working with, some cities are are more, uh, I guess, situated to address some of these more walkable urban downtown type of environments than Mm -hmm. others. But um, any city, we believe any city can increase their ability to accommodate the pedestrian at a higher level. And that's, I think, the goal for every city is to push making places better for people, no matter what your bones are. Yeah. Uh, I I want to talk also about the history here and the history in this region. Uh, The idea of sprawl, where it comes from, why people moved out of the city of Detroit to places like Warren, Uh, Ferndale, Royal Oak. And of course, we can't talk about those things in this region without talking about the sort of racial dynamic that surrounds those things. I I think there's, uh, I think it would be fair for people in Detroit to sort of look askance at this idea that suburbs uh, that are full of people who left the density in the city partially driven by some racial motivations in many cases, are now looking back and saying, well, we want what they have. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's, there's an irony there that I think is maybe not unique to Detroit, but it has a special uh, character in this, in this region. Well, sprawl, I mean, for, for one, sprawl is surely not a Detroit issue. It's a, right. it's a, it's a national issue. Every city experienced uh, the same kind of sprawl and, and suburban growth as, uh, as Detroit did. And, and in, almost case, in almost all cases, were done in a sort of car-oriented way. Um, I, you know, I think there are a number of reasons why the, the middle class moved out to the suburbs. And they start really, you know, fundamentally with some of the, some of the decisions of of government creating, you know, pushing for highways and freeways, mm-hmm. um, which allow people to get in and out of the cities much easier, and the development of suburban malls, large-scale malls, of course, North Northland being one of the most notable ones in, in Detroit that started to really allow for the suburbs to have some of the amenities that the city, you know, had had for all those years. So there was a whole series of sort of fundamental moves that were made from an infrastructure, from a governmental standpoint that sort of, you know, uh, uh, set the stage for moving into these areas that were largely farmland, you know, areas that became development, including the GI Bill and, you know, being able to access new housing, new, you know, for, for reasonable amounts of money and, and all these kinds of things. But the other thing is, is I think as, as those kinds of things happen, and I grew up in the Cody Rouge district. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in the city. I lived lived in the city. I went to Detroit public schools when I was a kid. Um, so I, I, you know, my neighborhood, uh, and the people in my neighborhood surely, um, experienced that loss of sprawl as, as did I, you know, the, or the loss of people moving out. And, and the thing that I witnessed and I have observed is, is the quality of the quality of the environment, meaning, um, the school districts that were starting to decline in the sixties and seventies. And this is true nationally, not, not just Detroit. 
but as well, you know, an increase in crime issues. Of course, that's what I experienced in my neighborhood. Um, and, and a lot of other issues started to, so the ease of moving to the suburbs by way of, you know, what jobs moving there, businesses moving there because it was easy to get in freeways and things like that. But then as also the quality of life in, in American cities started to decline during those years. And uh, in the middle class, I th- it would, you know, what, what I found is people who had the means, and it really goes across race, as you know, I mean, there's plenty of, of people of all different uh, levels of, uh, of economic uh, ability, which, which, which really when they found that these issues were affecting their families. They were looking at, um, you know, going sure. to places where they, they were in more secure positions where they weren't uh, concerned about about crime and, and, and schools. I guess, and, and I guess the racial dynamic I'm talking about is is the inability of African-Americans, at least in the beginning, to move to some of these communities. Uh, you know, and the federal government prevented uh, that in many cases by subsidizing housing and programs that were discriminatory and things like that. And of course, that helped sort of accelerate this this racial tension that existed uh, in the region. I, and you're right that that looks somewhat different today as you have, I think, for the first time, more African-Americans living in the suburbs and outside of Detroit than you do inside the city of Detroit. But but I do think that there's this, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a dimension here that I think uh, just seems, uh, again, ironic that, that uh, these suburbs that grew up around these concepts are now looking at uh, the, the same kinds of things that we're talking about here uh, in the city I think what's what's really driving the demand now, um, and it's it's surely you know really based on the the interest and the the, demog- the demographics um, that are finding urban areas, whether it's city city urban areas like downtown Detroit, of course, which is experiencing a lot of interest at this point, you as you know, but it's also suburban areas, whether it's existing or older communities like a Royal Oak or Ferndale or. Know, those kinds of cities, or the newer the newer um, post-war suburbs like Warren, as we're talking about earlier, and places like Sterling Heights and and uh, and Farmington Hills and things like that, are they're, they're all looking for attracting a demographic that is very interested in walkability, pedestrian-oriented environments, places built for people, um, places that actually feel like um, what what a friend of mine likes to, likes to call there's a there there. Places that are unique, that have character, that maybe have some sense of history, but but are are built for people first in that cars. And I think that's what's really driving fundamentally the big interest in Detroit right now, and and the big interest in other cities that either have existing downtowns, and of course the, the cities that don't have urban districts um, who are interested in trying to create something to accommodate. Because frankly. Um, this demographic is, is, as demographics always are the case, they, they drive economics, they drive development, they drive the economy. Um, what people are interested in and where the demographic numbers are right now, millennials are a big part of that. And of course, baby boomers, you know, 150 million people are the baby boomers and millennials right now. Sure. So there, there's an accommodation for what those people want and, um, and trying to build for that. And that's where, that's what we're finding this demand is coming from, and um, I get I get asked a lot of times because I've been working downtown Detroit my entire career, and I've heard many many people over the years say, you know, is this the boom that's actually <laughs> going to carry on? Or are we going to drop off again? And, and I said, no, no, this is very very different. Yeah. And the reason why it's very different is it's not driven by a particular person, by a mayor, 
not driven by anything other than, I mean, there's a lot of things that are participating. A lot of people are participating, but the fundamental driver is the demand. And that's the demographic shift of being interested in urban places with character and places that you can walk in mixed-use environments. Now, that's really what's driving this. And it's not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you have places like Warren that are really interested in trying to create an accommodation for this kind of demographic. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mark Nikita. He's the co-founder and president of Archive Design Studio in Detroit. He's a former Birmingham mayor and current city commissioner there, and he teaches urban design at Lawrence Tech. We are talking about the idea of creating downtowns, walkable communities in suburbs. The city of Warren is the latest to say that it will try to create a walkable center uh, in around the area of Van Dyke and 60 Mile, where you've got the GM Tech Center on one side of the street and the Municipal Center on the other. Uh, what do you think about the idea of creating these downtowns in suburban communities? Do you live in one of the communities that has one of these downtowns? Do you live in a community that maybe doesn't have one of these downtowns and you'd like to see them create it? Give us a call and let us know what you think about that at 313 577 1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Robert on Facebook says, if we're recognizing that sprawl is antithetical to urban lifestyle, how can we not recognize the role of transit? I'm a resident of Detroit, so I can't speak too much to what Warren should or shouldn't do with its land. But at the very least, we should be looking at connecting the various downtowns of the metro region, which inevitably place Detroit at the center. Robert, great comment uh, there, Mark Nikita. I, w- I wonder what you think of the role of transit in the region and how it relates to this issue of density and walkable communities. Um, absolutely critical. Uh, transit in a in a solid or uh, or very efficient or appropriate um, for the size uh, type of transit system is critical to the success of a, of a region. Um, surely to the success of of uh, cities within a region. Um, I do a lot of traveling around the world to observe city development, you know, all from Asia to Europe to North America all over. And, and transit is a fundamental base level um, element of the successful cities that I see. Uh, and we in the metro Detroit area have one of the, 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 the least desirable, let's say, I'll put it nicely, um, transit, uh, probably the less uh, of, of, of almost any North American major city. And um, it, it really needs to be addressed. And I, and I think um, one of the things I, I would say that for, for those who, um, you know, I tend to support it. I'm very supportive of the idea of trying to you know, create a, a, a much bigger and better system that, that accommodates the issues. I think the way that our system works where we have multiple sort of, you know, systems is, is inefficient and it needs to be really kind of rethought. And the RTA is the mechanism to get us there. And, uh, you know, no, 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 this is a long, this is a journey. It's difficult to get where we, I think, need to go, but I think it's absolutely critical to um, support making the region better. And the only thing I would say is that I hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't ever use transit, so I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't really want to pay or I don't want to support it and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for being efficient with our financing. Believe me, I'm not saying that we should just pile money and hope that it, it, I mean, I think we need to be very diligent about how we spend money to create what we need to create. So I think we have to do it very cautiously and carefully. But at the same time, I think for those who don't use transit have to recognize that, 
that regionally we have certain mechanisms to make the region better. For example, we are now all supporting the uh, the, the airport. We all pay for the airport. It's an authority. Um, it's a regional authority. We pay for the airport. Many people don't ever use the airport. They never go on, on a plane. They never go anywhere uh, by flight. But most people recognize that a region without a solid airport isn't going to be a region that's going to, going to be able to be competitive. Right. And in the same sense, our, our RTA is a means to get us a better transit system, which will allow us to be more competitive with other regions around the country. And whether you use it or not, you have to start to recognize that it's an important element of making the region prosperous. And then we all win with that. Yeah. Uh, again, 313 1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Nathan on Facebook says there's a good amount of developable space in Warren that could form the basis of an excellent public space. It's already being used that way for parts of the year, and this investment would be a good start to a walkable downtown. I'd like to see them try. Let's go to Christopher in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, how's it going? Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Oh, very good. <laughs> my, my, he literally really just answered the question and I was call, calling and asked, okay. asking about mass transit. It's, it's just, I just find it interesting that, you know, we're going for this. And, and I grew up on the east side, so I'm familiar with Warren, been up and down Van Dyke and Mound all of my life. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I know how it looks, but it's, I just find it odd that, you know, we're, you're looking to build this downtown, this quote-unquote walkable area. You need people to work there. How are, how are you? How do you expect people to get out there if they can't get the bus? And other communities are refusing to to vote on you know to vote on transit. And you you were going into the to the to the answer of that while I was listening while I was waiting. But <laughs> that okay. was really my comment though. Yeah. No, Christopher, I I, I absolutely appreciate the call uh, and the comments, and I'm glad that we were able to answer your 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 question and address that issue. Uh, while you were hanging on the on the line there, but but uh, keep listening and uh, and keep calling. Uh, let's go to Jennifer in Detroit. Jennifer, welcome to Detroit today. Great, thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, the reason I'm calling is because uh, I come from a design background, and so when I think about like and I look at trends and what's happening in society and society, if you think about it, we just come out of the industrial age, which, which was all about mass production. And so that's what kind of what we did in the suburbs too. We, like we mass produced the suburbs. It's like all these cookie cutter McMansions. And we've done that all the way even to like furniture and automotive. Like you see it everywhere throughout society. And now what we're seeing is like, Oh, we see the trends of, you know, urban areas or urban centers are very important. So in order to make the suburbs relevant, we have to do that this, this thing again. We have to make sure that they're relevant, too. So we're making a cookie cutter of what a downtown is. And my concern is that, you know, we're really not getting to the root of, like, why are those urban, why are those city centers so important? Mm-hmm. And it's not because it's you have this beautiful loft or you just have this park. It's because there's a sense of community that's missing in society today. Hmm. And so people are seeking to go to places where they can get, get a big community. I mean, that's why I moved to Detroit. That's why we bought our house down there like 15 years ago is because when we moved to Woodbridge, there was a community, community there. We felt like we were part of something bigger. And people are missing that today. Yeah. And so 
And the reason places like Royal Oak and, and even like Soho in New York, the reason they flourished is because it was very organic. And so the problem that I see today is like when we say, hey, we're going to design this city center, is that <laughs> we're not leaving a place for opportunity and imagination for people to grow that. Because yeah. the reason those places were successful is because it was very organic. Right. Jennifer. And not that it was like predetermined. Jennifer, that's a great that's a great point. I'm glad you called uh, and shared that with us. Mark Nikita, I'll give you a chance to, to respond to what she's saying. Is this over-planning in a way that really bumps up against the notion of the way that community sort of comes together? Well, I, I think that, that um, Jennifer hits on a really important point, and it's one of the key components of um, successful places, which is the idea of a, of a sense of place and a char- the character and um, uniqueness is very important. And it's one of the reasons why malls around the country are starting to wane, um, as you may be aware. Of course, there's sort of uh, dying malls in, in cities all over the country. And one of, one of the reasons, and a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is is that, that they are generic and they tend to be same, same, same. And you go from, you know, Cleveland to Indianapolis to, you know, to Spokane, and, and, and you could essentially be in the same mall for the most part. And and that, that generic nature of places that people, I think, used to feel okay about are, are increasingly becoming places people, you know, the demographics of today don't don't really want. Mm-hmm. And so being unique, being having a sense of char- a character, a sense of place, something that's distinctive, and, and I hope uh, as well a place that, that represents that particular area, not just generic, you know, one town looks like the next town looks like the next town, but but even the downtowns take on a certain character and a certain uniqueness so that they become special in their own way. Um, and then adding the pedestrian-oriented uh, environment, which which really is built around people, so people are are walking and interacting and seeing you know seeing each other, and you're not sort of stuck in a car. That also gives you that sense of of place, and you start to you know run into somebody you know and those kinds of things. So it's very very important, and it's actually one of the key components. But I, I want to stress the one point that that was made. I think she, mm-hmm. Jennifer made made the comment, and you, Stephen, also com- uh, made the made said the, the magic word earlier. Organic is key, mm-hmm. um, and that is the idea of growing over time, and growing with some level of of distinction to the locale to the location. And to the to the people that are involved in those places, different cities have different stakeholders, different people involved, companies and what have you. How do they make that place and shape that place in a unique manner to make it its own? Um, that's all about organic growth, and it's very difficult to achieve when you just sort of turn the turn the spigot on one day, hoping that it would happen. <laughs> so it's it's really an, an, a key component to building places, uh, downtown districts and other types of districts. Okay, Mark Nikita, co-founder and president of Archive Design Studio, former Birmingham mayor, current city commissioner, and teacher of urban design at Lawrence Tech. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Up next, we're going to speak with an artist and designer from Oaxaca, Mexico, about her efforts to build closer ties between Detroit and Mexico. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.